We are in a series right now called Love Relationships and Singleness. And tonight, I don't know why you're here. I don't know why you all are here tonight. But we're talking about something specific. Uh, and and uh, before we get into that specific topic tonight, I, I will... I, I will also say next week you do not want to miss uh, pastors John and Fawn Kobler that are going to be here uh, they are they are yeah you can clap you can if, if you don't know if you don't know them um, even if you go to a different church and this is not your church home that's okay I'm telling you next Thursday night these two people this uh, this couple um, they are some of the, the most special people to my wife and I in the world and their wisdom and leadership and, and authentic realness and rawness is is uncanny and they're going to be here and they're going to do their best to respond to your questions so make sure you got grab that little sheet of paper you're sitting on or on Instagram later tonight you can ask questions but um, I cannot wait for next week you won't want to miss it when I was 16, I was in a, uh, a youth group, and our youth group had something every Sunday morning before the main service called Catalyst, and it was like a Bible study, like a little uh, kind of Bible study. There was about 40 or 50 of us in high school. Our youth pastors had it all you know, come together, and I remember this. I will never forget this moment, but we all got together, and our youth pastors got up in front, and uh, they sat us all down, and, and they said, uh, the, 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 my youth pastor, the wife, their youth pastor couple, the wife said, today... We're going to talk about what all of you are thinking about. And, and the way she said it made me feel like, she said it more like this. Today, we're going to talk about what all of you are thinking about. And then I was like, I, wanted, I was a leader in my youth group. I always wanted to like champion whatever they were about. And I just, with all passion and gusto and innocence, I was like, sex! Like solo, nobody else in the room went silent. And it was one of those terrible moments that ruined me for a long time. But I just thought everybody was going to say it because that's the way they made it, set it up. And, and I was exposed in that moment. Everybody knew, oh, cool, sick, Chase. That's what you, so you think about it all the time? No, of course not. It's weird. Tonight, we're going to dive into the topic of sex. And, and you know what? Sometimes the church at times doesn't do a great job of addressing or wrestling with uncomfortable or real things like this. And, and so you can get anywhere else in the world. You can go find answers and solutions and ideas. But, but for some reason, when it comes to the church, historically, it's been a place where it's like this, specifically this topic is like uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's taboo and we don't really talk about it because it's like it's something you do and nobody knows about and you just you figure it out when you get there and then it's just it can create this world where like it it can be unhealthy how uh, uncomfortable we get about it and I, I'm I, God has called me and our our team in this and it really uh, pastors John and Fawn you'll see it next week I mean they they just do an incredible job being real uh, but we have a passion to to bring all of life's issues, all of life's struggles, all of life's situations to the scriptures, to the gospel, to Jesus, and let him speak to it. And, and there's, no, there's no hidden thing that we can't talk about and discuss and wrestle with because that's real life. And so we're going to unpack some things tonight. Now, listen, there's no possible way in the span of the next 30 minutes that we're going to spend together, 40 minutes together as we respond, that I'm going to be able to uh, articulate and spe spe specifically hit every single person with where they are. 
This is such a unique topic because it's so personal. There's so much, uh, there's so much history that maybe you might be uh, connected to in some way, in some form. And so what I want to say, and I want to I open this thing by praying together and asking God's spirit to speak to you specifically. Because as, as I've prepared, and I have prepared, I've done everything that I could at this point to just humble myself before the Lord and go, God, let my words fall. Let your words remain. God, I want you to speak and you to move. And, and my prayer is that you don't just try to look for what you want to hear tonight, but that you really open yourself up to what the spirit wants to speak to you specifically. Because he will. And if you're willing to listen and you're willing to wrestle with some things, I know God's going to speak to you wherever you are, single, dating, engaged, married, or recently broken up, big sexual history past, not non-existent sexual history past, and everywhere else in between, God's got something to speak to you. And so I want to take a second, and I want to pray. And, and even if you don't believe in God yet or believe in Jesus, this is a moment for you to just kind of maybe even contemplatively go, God, if you are real, speak to me tonight. Do something in me. So will you do that with me? Will you bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes, and, and if even if some of you are comfortable, you can, you can kind of put your hands out in just a, a posture of like receiving if, if that's something you want to do. But let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight. Father God, this, this is a night where we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to the, the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. He's on the throne. This isn't a night to just talk about good ideas. I'm not interested in trying to just create something out of my own wisdom or strength. God, we want you. We want to glorify you. We want to experience you. We need you. So Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight right where we are through your word, through these moments that we have together. And God, whatever might get in the way of what you want to say, I pray in the, in the name of Jesus that that thing would be broken down, be torn down. Any, any lie the enemy has been, has been trying to whisper in the ears and sitting in these seats right now that have maybe been in years of listening to lies, I pray that tonight they would hear truth for the first time in a way that breaks them free from the bondages that they've been stuck in. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take a look tonight, unpack, unpack the topic of sex, and we're going to look at sex through three lenses. And this, is, this comes from, um, this comes from a, a guy named Mark Driscoll. There's a lot of opinions about him. Love him or hate him if you know anything about him. I don't, that's not the point tonight. But he wrote a book called Real Marriage. That's an incredible resource for single dating, engaged, married. Incredible resource um, that, that really helped Holly and I. My wife, by the way, I have a wife, and she's amazing. Seven and a half years of being married. We've got three kids. And I love it. I love being married. She's amazing. I love it. And I love her. Uh, and if you were not here last week, we got a chance to share a little bit of our story with you. And by the way, we talked about it after. If you missed it, we shared our story about being engaged and uh, breaking off our engagement and then God restoring some things and bringing us back. Um, and we realized we had never publicly shared this, the extent of that story like we did until last Thursday. But we didn't realize that until after, like Friday morning when we were talking about it. So thank you for being a part of that with us because that was something God... God even did a different level of healing in us sharing last Thursday night in our, in our relationship. So, yeah, we can give God praise for that. It was awesome. But there's three lenses that people, I love the way he, he paints this picture because there's three lenses, and I, and I really resonate with it, and I see it to be true for a lot of people around me, that people look through um, the idea of sex. They look at it through three lenses. The first lens that they look at it through is that sex is God. It's basically the epitome of all pursuit and happiness and ultimate satisfaction. Like it is, it is what everyone is kind of looking for to some degree, to some way. It is going to satisfy you in an ultimate sense. 
And so we see it played out in how people pursue, pursue it. It, it, really, it really has become something that a lot of people worship. Like if I can have this in this relationship, if I can experience this degree of physical connection and intimacy, I will be, I will be fulfilled. I will be satisfied. I will feel like I have, I have the love I'm looking for, the affection I'm looking for, um, the security I'm looking for. It's become ultimate. For some people, that's, it's the pursuit. It's the, it's the drive. And we've become really, people that are in that category, a lot of us that have fallen in that category either now or in different seasons, it's, it's, it's really what it comes down to. It's an idolatry issue. That, that, that sex has become an idol. That pornography is an idolatry issue. Uh, that fornication and sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend or sleeping around, it's, a, it's an idolatry issue. Adultery is an idolatry issue. It's basically the idea that like there's something that was that was created in, in that's a created thing that God made that is the ultimate thing that can be worshipped and pursued and bring fulfillment and satisfaction to me, and and it's this lens that people look through of that sex is God. It's something that can bring me what I'm looking for, and it's an ultimate thing, and it's worshiping the created rather than the creator. So that's one lens. People look through. Another lens, and I, th- I see this a lot in the church world, and, and he talks about this, is that sex is gross. Sex is God, or sex is gross. We don't talk about it. It's something that our parents did. And please, God, don't ever let me somehow walk into a room. That, that was, I mean, scarring stories. I mean, like, it's gross. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it in church. You don't, don't clean your mouth out with mouth mouth out with mouth out with soap. Sex? Don't say that word. <laughs> yes, that's so funny. Perfect example today. Macaulay, how many of you guys uh, get a text from us each week if you're on our text? Does anybody get a text? Okay, so if you don't, by the way, you can sign up because it's a great way to know what's happening. But there's an app we use called Clearstream to help send this text out, and it's an app based for churches. She. She, she tried to put the word sex in the app, and it didn't let it go through. I'm not kidding. She had to, what did you put? You had to put two X's or something, right? Yeah, so if you got the text, you might have been like, why did she got misspelled sex? It's because this, this church app wouldn't even let us send the word sex in the text. Yeah. <laughs> there's probably a lot of safety around that, but here's the point. There's a point that there's a, there's a whole category of people that when they think about sex, it's gross. It's, it's, it's something you, 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 we don't, we don't talk about that and engage in that. And it's maybe a lot of it, you've been brought up with that. Like it's, you don't, you know, it's, it, you just don't even talk about it until you get there. You'll figure it out. So, and, and I've watched that, I've watched that culture a lot of the times in the church and it's destructive. It's not healthy because, because you're going to go figure stuff out. You're going to go look for answers. You're everybody, every one of us has some degree, some of that longing for that world and that that curiosity we're going to figure those things out right and a lot of us maybe have been raised with this like you don't that's not holy it's not but here's here's the problem with that it's not true it's not gross but it is a lens that a lot of people see it through now another thing I will say and I'll talk about this towards the end of the message too some people part of why they feel that way about sex and the things around sex is because they've experienced things um, some out of their control or they've witnessed things that have made it to be something that's gross or we don't talk about or it's dirty. And I want to mention that because there, there, with a room this size, I know that there are several people that represent things that, things that have happened to you. So, so your ability to, 
to think about sex not through that lens is very, really, it, it almost seems like it's impossible because it's stuff that, that happened to you maybe at an early age or, or even recently that, that completely skewed what God's design for it was and has created a really difficult barrier and obstacle for you to see it or even think about it in a way that can be something that's not gross. I want to acknowledge that because if I'm, if I'm talking about it, 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 you need to know you're not messed up or broken or weird if you think about sex as gross, if there's been things that have, happening, have happened to you in your life that weren't in your control or things around you that happened that you watched that weren't in your control. So the lens is sex is God, sex is gross, and the final lens and the lens that I, I believe to be the true lens is that sex is a gift. Those are really the three categories people look through the lens of, of sex at. So we're going to unpack tonight um, three main thoughts for, for, for where we're going to go um, about this kind of idea about sex being a gift that God has given us, that God has for us to experience, God has for us to walk out. And here's, here's the three main thoughts. I'll walk through each of them, but if you want to take notes, this is going to be the order. The first thought is this, that God designs, sin distorts, and Jesus redeems. God designs, sin distorts, Jesus redeems. So God designs. He did. The very beginning. Book of Genesis. It's in there. You can read it. One man, one woman. There's a covenant marriage relationship. The first marriage in the history of mankind took, took place in Genesis chapter 2. God created sex. Sometimes this blows my mind because of how funky things have gotten around that world. I forget sometimes that God actually was the designer. He made it. It was, it was birthed out of his mind and his heart. It was his idea. He thought this is a good idea for humanity, for, for man and woman. God's created it. He came up with that idea. Genesis 2, 24 through 25 says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. God created sex. <laughs> and I, I think about this moment. He created man, created woman, and then, you know, like just worked all that stuff out. And he's like, yeah, cool. I'm going to get a quick coffee over here, coffee break. You know, it comes back a couple minutes later, and he's like, whoa, what is going on? What are they doing? This is not part of the plan. No. God created that whole thing. He's not thrown off by the fact that that's what took place after he made man and woman. Like, it was a part of his design. That's really important for us to, to, to realize and recognize and remember tonight. That, that sex came before sin. God's design for a man and a woman in a covenant marriage relationship and, and, and coming together, two flesh becoming one, through the, through the act of, of, of sex was, was in play before sin entered the world, before sin was a part of breaking it all down. That's really important. Because in our culture, in our world, through the church, through society, and, and everywhere else around us, uh, they try to claim sex as theirs. Like the world, sex sells. Sex is, sex is power. Sex is everything. I mean, everywhere we go, it's, it's just all that. It's like the ultimate thing that people use to, to, to influence, to, to sell, all of it. It's just such a big, it's like the world's got this claim on, on sex. And, and, the, and the reality is it's actually God's. It's his thing. It's got his stamp on it. It's his design. It's his creation. It's his gift for us. And, 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 I, and I really want us to see that because 
rather than us just looking at all the things broken and wrong, if we can come back to the reality that God's actually the one that designed it and he's got a great plan and gift for it, like it's going to change the way we look at it at a whole, as a whole. I want to say this before I move on a little bit to you, that this idea of sex and the covenant of, of, of a marriage relationship between one man and one woman, um, I also know that there are people here with that world of one man and one woman, that's not necessarily your struggle. That your struggle is a struggle between one man and one man or one woman and one woman. Your, your struggle internally of, of uh, where you are in your sexual identity, in your sexual preference, is something that like at society maybe at large, especially in the church culture, we, we a lot of the time we just talk to the heterosexual side of things. But I know to be true because I've got friends, I've got people that I talk to all the time who are wrestling through things that we don't, we don't like to talk about a lot. And, and part of the reason why just being vulnerable is I don't have as much experience with, with walking that stuff out with people. And so I am working harder now to get in the trenches with people who are walking through that stuff so I can empathize and walk with them in a different way. But I want you to know if you're in here and that's you, you're in a safe place. You can walk this journey out. You're not broken. There's not something wrong with you. We are all sinners in need of the grace of God. We're all broken because of what sin did, and we need Jesus to redeem and heal us. So, so listen, even though a lot of the lens of what we talk about is through that, the heterosexual man and woman side, if you're sitting here going like, I can't, my struggle isn't even what he's talking about. You need to know it's, it's sexual sin at large. We all have that stuff that we need God to help work out in our lives. And so I don't want you to feel isolated or like I can't even be a part of what's happening here because of my wrestling and my struggle. You're not alone. God sees you, and you're in a safe place to walk that journey out in this faith community. Amen? Amen. The enemy has been trying to distort God's gift of sex ever since the beginning of the garden. And tonight, rather than try and convince you to stop doing bad things, my goal is rather to point you towards seeing the better things that God has made. A lot of the time, I think we spend our energies like, stop having sex before marriage. Stop sleeping with your boyfriend. Stop sleeping with your girlfriend. Stop fornicating. Stop, stop lusting and walking in sexual impurity solo. Pornography, masturbation, all that stuff. Words that we like, ah, like just stop, 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 stop. And, but that's not my goal. My goal is not to just like get you to walk out and be like, oh, I'm gonna stop. Fine, fine. I finally got the breakthrough to stop. But rather, shift your orientation of focus, that you're not, you're not trying to figure out how to stop what you're doing, but that your eyes begin to look up and see a more beautiful picture of God's design that, that captures your attention in your heart. Because when you begin to see God and the way that he's created life to be and, and relationships and sex and all of that and the gift that it is, when, when we have a fresh revelation of like, whoa, God actually was the one that came up with this and his plan and his timing and his, his boundaries with it are actually going to be a bigger blessing to me than, than burden, then, I, then all of a sudden we begin to go, I want that rather than I, I want to stop this. And as we begin to increase in our eyes seeing what God has for us that's better, all of a sudden our desires for the things of the world begin to grow dim. That's the goal of tonight. So you know, walking out of here, it's not like stop being a bad. It's like walk out of here knowing you actually can have a greater vision for what is better. The gift of God's design and God's timing. So number one, God designs. Sex was his idea. He made it. It's a gift. It came before sin. But sin, number two, distorts. I was reading, some, uh, I was reading a book on, on this whole idea of 
uh, singleness and relationships and sex. And when the author, this is a, a quote that he used that I just, I resonated with. And he said this, God's design for sex and marriage shouts to the universe, look how great God is. But sexual morality and pornography and sexual sin scream of self-centeredness, abusive and manipulative love. These degradations suggest God who does not adequately provide and whose ways do not wholly satisfy. This understanding of God is what's at stake. This really is a battle, is what that battle of purity is really about, this fight that I'm talking about tonight. We will either be vehicles and vessels that bring praise and glory to God or pawns used as insults for Satan to hurl against God. Let me read that last line. We will either be vehicles and vessels that bring praise and glory to God or pawns used as insults for Satan to hurl against God with this idea of sex. Sin distorts. Sin really did mess some things up. And ever since the garden, we have seen a distortion of what God's design and gift was for sex to be in the confines of a covenant relationship of marriage and, and what, he, what he created it to be and to becoming one and, and creating such a a bond and unity um, that brings him glory and brings people together in a way that nothing else can. So I want to speak specifically to something tonight because I, I, I've, I'll be honest, because I've been in the church world, um, I've, I've heard and felt this pendulum swing of years ago, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, the pendulum to like legalism was like really, really far. On the, in the church, like everybody felt judged and guilt, guilt and all that. Like if I was sinning or I was anywhere remotely doing this stuff, I knew I couldn't really come to church because, like, this Lord, Lord knows if somebody finds out that this is what's going on, I'm out. Like, there's going to be a so, – so over the last – big legalism emphasis. Over the last 10, 15 years or so, 20 years or so, the pendulum has swung on, to the other side. And I've watched it now on the other side be, like, this big, this big movement of, like, grace, 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 grace. Don't ever worry about anything you're ever doing because it's it, – God's got it. Don't worry about it. So, like, it's like this – grace zone for an eternity that like nobody has to walk out anything they actually do because God covers it. So I'm watching the pendulum go from like legalism, you're going to burn in hell because of the things you're doing. Now we're way over here and like don't ever worry about having any consequence for your sin or feeling at all about it because like God's got it. So what I believe to be true is that there's a beautiful middle, that there is eternal grace that will never run dry, but that there's also a conviction that comes by God's spirit that's good and healthy for us to embrace and, and what I want to do tonight, I want to be careful because at times I'm like, I don't, I know my generation. I know everybody's, they struggle with performance. They struggle with guilt and shame. And so I, I, I've at times hesitated to talk about some of those things that are more difficult about the, 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 the word because I don't want people to receive it as like guilt and condemnation and shame. L let me tell you something tonight. God has a conviction for us to hear tonight and feel that will help us and help us be healthy. So I'm going to say something that I know some people know, some people don't. And that's why I'm saying it. Because there are newer Christians to the table. So Christian in here that has heard this before, stop for a moment. This is not about you feeling guilty and condemned. Newer Christian that does not know this, I want us to know there is a way God has called us to live that's healthy and honoring to him and healthy and helpful for us. And so I'm going to read a scripture that Paul writes to the church in Corinth that will help me paint this picture and then break it down real quick. He says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 through 20. The last couple verses will be on the screen. Let me read it. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food's meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both one, the other. The body is not meant 
for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, I don't think a lot of us think that way in general. Take sex out of it. I don't really think my body is for the Lord. I think my body is just a body. Sometimes it likes physical things. Sometimes it likes to sleep. Sometimes it's, you know, but, but I'm, I'm challenged by reading this text. My body isn't for me. It's actually for the Lord. It's for the Lord to use as an instrument to bring him glory. The body is, is, meant, is for the Lord. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that the one who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? That goes back to the garden. That's one man and one woman coming together, two flesh becoming one. For it's written, two flesh will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person commits a sin that's his own sin against his body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Listen. That's a reminder for some of us, and maybe for the first time for others, like just so you know, your body's not your own. It's for the Lord. Sexual purity in relationships. Listen, uh, Pastor John and Fawn will probably do a much more masterful job next week answering some of the specifics, the nitty-gritty of what you might want to ask, and so I'm, I'll save some of that for next week. That was Nacho Libre in case you didn't catch that. The nitty-gritty. Get that corn out of my face. <laughs> Such a great movie. I hate some... I ate some butt. I'm not going to go. That's a great line, too. <laughs> it's such a good movie. I'm going to have to watch that soon. Okay. Purity in relationships. Hey, if you're in a relationship right now, dating or engaged relationship, why does this matter? Why, why even worry about this? Why is this a big thing? Why does it matter that I walk in purity in my relationship and I save sex for marriage and I honor God with my body and I honor God with our decisions physically? Why does it even matter? Why should I live that out? Number one, here's what I'd say to you. If, you, if you've submitted yourself to Jesus as Lord, then here's what you really are saying, that I believe that this word remains su supreme. This word is supreme. God's word to me and what he says is more ultimate than how I feel. That's hard. I don't always live that out. There's grace for me. But, but, but number one, why does it matter? Why should I live it out? Well, listen, God's word is truth. And it's not just because it's a bunch of rules for us to live to make us miserable. It's because it's for our flourishing and thriving. And if we will listen and submit to it, I promise you the other side of that will be a healthier life and a longer sustaining future and relationships. So listen, it, why does it matter? Why should you live it out? It's because God speaks about it to it in his word. That should be the first and most ultimate thing. Why, why else should I live this out? Why should I fight for purity in my relationship physically with the person I'm in this relationship with? Number two, it honors God. Like, it really does. It brings him honor. Like, in the same kind of way, I think this is, this is an, a moment, like, in the same kind of way that I can stand up here and I can worship God and with my mouth in front of a bunch of people say, God, you're worthy. I honor you. When you're in the, in the heat of a moment, like, physical, you're like, you're ready to, there's a, you're ready to go with your girlfriend or boyfriend and like you guys have set some boundaries about here's like where we feel like is going to continue to honor God and here's where it's not and there's a moment and you almost cross that line and then you one of you or both of you are like nope no we're going to stop right here we're going to honor God in this moment in this relationship I think that moment of honor is just as important as the moment that you're up here standing here facing the crowd going God you're worthy and I honor you in my praise and I worship because it honors God 
there's a, there's a way we can honor God with our bodies in our relationships. And, and I think we rob God of a lot of honor in those moments because we're just like, ah, I'll just save that for worship. But, but my body is a living sacrifice. It's, it's, it is to worship God. And so why does it matter? Because it, it honors God. Why else does it matter? It, it, it actually protects you. Why should you fight for purity in a relationship? You don't understand what's on the other side of just continuing to go down a way that's obliterating any of the, the things that God has for your relationship. It protects you. It causes you to flourish. It will cause your future relationship to flourish. So, so men, let me challenge you for a moment, specifically in here. I want to challenge you tonight. Some guys in here need to know. Because, listen, this is both a guy and girl issue. This is not just a guy thing, but hear me, please. In my history of knowing guys and having relationships and friendships and, and pastoring men, I see this as, the, as a bigger issue with them than I do with women. And, and, again, as I've talked about through this whole series, I'm still on this journey of figuring out what healthy leadership in both worlds look like for men and women in relationships. And I have not arrived yet on, like, what I know to be true or what I know to be the full, perfect picture of what it's supposed to look like. But I will say this. Most of the time when it comes to physical boundaries being pushed, it's guys that are pushing. Now, that's not internally true. I know that sometimes girls are the ones that are pushing. But let me speak to the men for a moment. Regardless of if, if that's happening or not, man, let me call you up. Be a man. Be a man. Step up in a moment. If you're in a relationship and you're in here tonight, listen, I love you and you're a part of this family, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here a hundred services. Like, let me call you up as a brother. Be a man. In the moment where you could, you could use your influence to push a boundary because it's something that you want physically. There's a moment and an opportunity that you have to step up and to lead and to rather than use your influence and your desire and that potential for that girl to feel like she will be loved more and keep your love longer if she does those things physically, step up, be a man and, and stop walking in the immaturity of being a little boy that says like, I just want what I want right here, right now. No, be a man and step up and, and take, take a different approach of leading. God's called you to that and you're made for it. Ladies, and let, me, let me say this to you. A, a man that makes you feel like you've got to give him something physically in order to keep his love or keep his affection is not a real man. He's a little boy, and that little boy needs to get his butt dumped for a hot minute so that he's got some time to repent and mature in his relationship with the father. Now, listen, listen, I'm saying this, and I wish that I had, I wish I had someone that, 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 would have got up in my grill in a loving way 10 years ago in this kind of way. Yo, Chase, God's called you to something so much greater than this. Stop being an immature little boy in your relationship with your soon-to-be fiance and your soon-to-be wife. Because what you don't realize is on the other side of some of those things, you think that those boundary moments are just in the moment. They actually can impact your marriage. They actually can impact the things that God's got for your future relationship. And it matters now. It's not just about the temporary. Walk in, being the man, being the woman God's called you to be. It's time to step up in a new kind of way. So I'll bring in some heat there for a moment because of where we're going. Because listen, God designs, sin distorts, but ultimately, Jesus redeems. And so the biggest thing and moment I want you to, to hear tonight is, is come, comes from John chapter 8. Because you might have just felt that and be like, whoa, like, cool, Chase, thanks for that. Like, 
you know, I feel good about myself now, where I've been, with where I am. Thanks for making me feel that way. But, but, but listen, again, there's, a, there's something God wants to do in you that's bigger than just an uncomfortable moment right here, right now. John chapter 8. Uh, it's such a beautiful picture of, of how Jesus redeems. And uh, I'm going to invite the worship team up and as, I, as I read this. So if you want to read it in your Bibles, it'll, I don't think we've got it. I realize I, don't, I didn't put it for the screens, but let me, let me read it to you. This is a moment a lot of you might be familiar with, but some of you won't be. This is the story of the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. So straight up, it wasn't like a couple weeks later, a couple nights later. It was like literally in the act. Like that just blows my mind. Like this was, there was so much legalism here with these religious leaders, these, these, these men that were like, they somehow, some way that happened, they figured it out. They probably set it up, honestly, because that's such a really difficult thing to do without having some pre-knowledge. They knew it was going to happen. They knew that they could catch this woman in the act of adultery. And, uh, and they brought her out into the public street. So like visible, a bunch of people are watching what's going on. Lots of opportunity for shame and condemnation. Sorry, you're good. <laughs> I, gotta, I just got to get better at being focused. Lots of opportunity to feel ashamed and condemned. Here's what happens. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him. He sat down, taught him. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman, so what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, and he wrote with his finger on the ground. I love that. Just let me take all of the attention off of her for a moment. Look at me. Look at me. Well, what am I doing? No words yet, just a, just a, a movement. Bent down, wrote on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up to them, and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. In other words, yo, anybody else never messed up before? Go ahead, grab the stones that you're ready to, to stone her with. You be the first one. Go for it. And once more, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him in verse 10. And then Jesus stood up and he said to the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Listen, sin has distorted and we've all sinned. We've all experienced it, whether you've experienced personal in, a, in an addiction to pornography, whether you've experienced it in a relationship, whether you're currently experiencing it in a relationship, all of us are, have experienced that degree of sin. And listen, guilt, shame, and condemnation, they are the enemy's lackeys. They are the enemy's henchmen. Guilt, shame, and condemnation, they are the greatest things that the enemy can use to try to drive a wedge between you and God. Guilt, shame, and condemnation. But listen to me, please. Guilt, shame, and condemnation are not from God. Because if they were, we would have had a beautiful moment right here for Jesus to put that on display. The enemy 
is our accuser. We see it in Revelation 12.10. He wants to make you feel like, yep, you've blown it. You're messed up. You can't fix this. You've already gone too far. He's our accuser. And man, I'm telling you, I know a lot of us wrestle with those thoughts all the time. How do, I, how do I get out of this? I just feel like I can, listen, tonight, some of you are here and you felt distant from God. You felt like you've been disconnected, like he's really far away and you can't seem to feel him or hear him or, or that, that one time season in your life where you were really connected has just been long gone, it seems like. Some of you feel like he's mad at you or he's disappointed or, or even potentially disgusted with your past. And you come here and, and maybe you publicly put like a mask on to just, so that everyone who, who may, knows about your past, you know, or, or just they continue to think maybe everything's all right. But underneath all of that, your heart is like really wounded and it's broken and it feels guilty and full of shame and condemnation. Why do we find ourselves feeling guilty and full of shame and condemnation? It's because we're looking for the right thing, but in the wrong place. You're looking for that rescue. You're looking for that security. You're looking for that forgiveness, but we're, 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 we're looking for the right thing, but it's, it's in the wrong place that we're finding it. We're looking for acceptance and affection from people, from a relationship, physical satisfaction for some of us. Because, man, some of us, I said this a couple weeks ago. Um, maybe I didn't. Maybe it was to a different group. I saw our high school students. I, had an, I was addicted to pornography for years and throughout high school in my young adult, early young adult years. And, and I realized after a long time of being addicted and like being set free and then somehow falling back in, I'm like, I'm free in Jesus. But then I was falling back in and it's like, this is never gonna end. I'm never gonna be fully broken free of this. I believe that lie. I believe that there was, I, there's no hope. I could never actually see the other side of my bondage. And, and I realized, it got to a point where I realized like what the under the surface thing was, was the fear of rejection. Like I, I was so afraid of the rejection that could come by man, by person, by a relationship, by a girl, that like I knew I could go to a place pornography that would not reject me and I would feel strong I'd feel confident I'd feel secure I'd feel like I was enough and that that I was that was the thing under the thing under the thing and it wasn't until God got into that did something to me we're looking for acceptance affection physical satisfaction in all kinds of things that will only prove to fill those voids that are in there temporarily and then cause even greater voids and damage that beyond we can what we can even understand you got to see tonight. There's a there's an, a, a woman caught, caught in adultery moment for you tonight to hear and to see that God has for you. Because not all of us maybe are in that same category where we're like, we're bringing that to the table tonight. And I understand that, but all of us have got something that Jesus wants to speak to and that Jesus wants to redeem tonight. Because Jesus redeems. What does that redemption look like? Healing, forgiveness, and restoration. Healing from past hurts and wounds in relationships from, from that place where you, you a boundary was crossed or you crossed a boundary and, and, it, and it hurt and wounded you. Healing from that, that thought that like, I'm gonna, if I just get another relationship and I, get in, I can finally find that guy or finally find that girl, then I'm gonna be whole and, and they're gonna give me the attention I'm looking for and I'm gonna feel loved and secured and then we'll be able to one day be in a physical relationship that's gonna satisfy my physical desires. No, you're only gonna find healing in one place, period. It's in knowing and receiving Jesus and what he's done for you, period. End of story, healing. What else does redemption look like? It's forgiveness. Listen, 1 John 1, 9 says this, and if we confess our sins, like if, if, we're, if we're humble enough to swallow our pride and go, God, 
I confess my sin for, to you and to maybe some people that are close to you that need to, to, need to know that can help walk with you. If we confess our sins, Scripture says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like, actually forgive you. Not like, cool, did you kind of like feel good after service forgiveness? Not like, no, like, get into the depths of your soul. Forgive, like, clean you out. Yes. Brand new start. Like, that's what Jesus has got for you tonight. Like, actually forgive. Like, you actually can be forgiven. No, somebody needs to hear me tonight. You actually can be forgiven with wherever you've crossed a boundary or you've walked in sexual sin. Like, there is forgiveness for you, full forgiveness. Restoration. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen, if we learn anything from John 8 and the woman caught in adultery, we can see, and we see throughout the rest of the scriptures, Jesus isn't just about being right. He's about bringing restoration. That's what he's all about. It wasn't just about proving to this woman, yep, you blew it. You deserve this. Get yourself figured out. No, because, because he knew there was something bigger here at stake. There was a heart. There was an eternity there was a moment that was going to change her life forever. He's more about the restoration than just being right. And this is something somebody needs to hear tonight because they have not let themselves believe this truth. When Jesus restores, he doesn't just make it how it was. He makes it better. Some of you are sitting here and in in, you've, you've, you've made some mistakes in your relationships and you think to yourself like, if he could, if he could just like help me get a little bit better than, than like, you know, the farthest place that I've been in. Like, he, no, listen to me, please. Jesus doesn't just bring you back to where you were. Jesus has the ability to make it even better than where you were before you messed up, before you crossed that line, before you failed, before you sinned sexually, before, before something happened to you. Like, listen, some of us, because we believe we've messed up. I've, I've given myself away. I've already blown it in these areas. I'm in a relationship. I've already gone this far. I've already, I've already lost my virginity. I've already, I've already slept with all of these guys or all these girls. What is it worth me now even trying? Because Jesus redeems, because he restores, because he makes things new, because you have the ability to receive his forgiveness, because he loves you beyond any ability to comprehend or understand. And he has the ability tonight to go check it, fresh start, brand new beginning new identity, new creation, because it's Jesus. It's not you. That's why, hear the truth tonight. You haven't gone too far to be redeemed by Jesus. You haven't had sin that's happened to you be too deep that Jesus can't pull you out of that pit and say, listen, I'm in the business of healing things that are broken. I'm in the business of bringing to life things that are dead. It's what I do for a living, and I'm not going to stop living because that's who I am. I conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's what I've got available for you tonight. Yeah, come on, praise God, because that's true for you tonight. He doesn't just make it how it was. He makes it even better. Some of you are, you're still fighting it. I'm saying it, but you're still like, yeah, but I, I've had so many conversations with Jesus and I, he just, I can't imagine that he can, he can look at me through that lens tonight because I've made promises to him. I've broken over and over and over. There's only one person that keeps his promises forever. That's, that's God. And he's offering 
grace to us in this place tonight. Listen, he didn't die on Calvary so that you could stay bound. He died so you could be set free. So wherever you are bound tonight, in whatever place, he's got freedom for you to experience tonight. So we're gonna respond to Jesus. Will you help me, will you help me bring the lights down a little bit? Because I want this moment to be private enough for people to feel confident to respond to what God's doing. I'm also gonna invite some of our, our leaders in here that have been a part of our leader, our leader team. I got some seasoned moms and dads in the faith. I've got some spiritual moms and dads that are here. I've got some people a part of my core team. And what we're gonna do as we respond to God in this worship time is some of us, I know there's that confess part. There's that like, I just need to go get, I just need someone to know where I'm at and to pray for me. Man, because God has got some healing to do in this room tonight. So I'm gonna invite those guys, uh, some of my spiritual moms and dads in the room, some of my leaders. Would you stand up at this time and just kind of go to the sides of the room, the, the outskirts? Because I, some of you need to know, like, it's a swallow pride kind of night. It's like a, yo, I don't care about my, my credibility or my whatever, or like, I'm gonna go talk with somebody and have them pray for me. Here's the groups tonight. Three groups, one group, maybe God's changing your perspective. Maybe you don't really have uh, this past of sexual sin or sexual struggle. But, but maybe you've looked, you've like, you've ran from everything to do with the world of sex. No guy, no girl, like I'm just not gonna, I'm, I'm just, it's just, it's gross. It's out there. I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna talk about it and think about it. But maybe God's shifting your perspective tonight to see the gift that it is because he's designed it. And it's, it's reinvigorated a passion in, in you to be a man or a woman that's after his heart, waiting for God's timing to honor God in your relationship and in your singleness. Maybe God's doing something like that in some of you tonight. But here's the other groups that I know God's gonna be speaking to. Group number two, the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. Maybe you're sitting here with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe you're sitting here with somebody that you've been in a relationship with. And I'm telling you, listen, this is the worst moment, but the best moment. I remember sitting in service. I remember sitting in Sunday morning services or a young adult service with Holly, my now wife, who was my girlfriend and my fiance at the time. And then we broke up and then was my fiance again. I remember sitting in services where we both heard a message that was gonna mess up some of the stuff we liked to do. It was, it was beginning to convict me. And I remember sitting there being like, gosh, dang it, God. <laughs> I like making out like that. I'm just being real. And having to make a decision, what kind, of, what kind of man am I gonna be? What kind of relationship are we gonna have? Am I gonna be a man that honors God with my body, with my relationship? Are we gonna be a relationship that honors God? Because check it, we can start fresh tonight. Some of us, the Holy Spirit's convicting you and conviction's a good thing. So don't run from it tonight. Don't push back. Stop pushing back on the conviction. Let the conviction do its work in you. Embrace it. Don't suppress it. Don't throw it off. Let it do its work in you so you can begin the process of healing and restoration that you need to take, that Jesus needs to take you on. Stop being this, ah, no, don't. Convict me, God. I'm gonna stay doing what I'm gonna do. But listen, sometimes we also, we, we mistake conviction for condemnation. Stop, listen. Pendulum, pendulum, it's right in the middle. There's a beautiful place to be. God's spirit convicts us because it, it's gonna help us honor him better and walk healthier with people in our relationships and our future. So don't just immediately go, oh, condemnation, I'm not gonna feel it because it's hurting a little bit. No, maybe God is wanting to convict you in a place to help walk you out of this room tonight, honoring and glorifying him and walking in a greater freedom. Final group, 
this is the group that God is saying like, yo, if you're gonna talk about sex, this is what it's all about for the night. Big and this way. Jesus, tonight, for some of you, he's redeeming you. Tonight. I was like, why don't, man, I, I share this with I shared this with our, our, our pre-service prayer group. I've, I've gotten moments of discouragement. Like, is, is having services week after week, month after month, year after year, is this, is this really worth it? This come together, we talk about the Bible and like worship and everything feels good for a hot minute and they walk out and then all this stuff happens again and they come back and there's like guilt and there's like conviction and encouragement and then we just do it all over. Like, is it really worth it? God, is it actually gonna change anything? I've had moments of discouragement like that because this is like what I do. Like this is a part of like what I put a lot of my, my blood, sweat and tears in like and I pray and I'm out. I'm like, God, is this worth it? Are we getting anywhere? And God, God brought me to that moment of the woman caught in adultery and he's like, do you think that after that moment, that encounter that she had with Jesus, that her life wasn't changed forever. You don't think the same Jesus, God speaking to me, I'm still here moving and doing things just like I did in that moment with John chapter eight. Listen, there could be a encounter with Jesus moment right here for some of you tonight that changes your life forever. I believe that. I'm not, I, be, I believe that. Some of you, as we're worshiping and we're singing this song and declaring it over ourselves, there's, a, there's an encounter with Jesus moment that you're gonna have that you can look back on 15, 20 years from now and be like, yo, that's where our relationship made a turn. That's where, that's where my identity made a turn. That's where the lies that the enemy had been speaking to me for years were broken in Jesus' name. And I literally, my life was changed because of what Jesus did in me that night. I'm believing that's what's gonna happen right here. For those of you who have committed or are currently living in sexual sin, listen, in Jesus Christ tonight, you are forgiven. You're forgiven fully, 100%, not part way. 100% forgiven tonight because of Jesus. So stop allowing what you've done hold you captive. The shame and the guilt and the condemnation that the enemy has had you bound by, broken tonight in Jesus' name because of the broken body that he gave for himself on the cross in Calvary, overcoming death, hell, and the grave, and triumphing over it. You can receive that forgiveness tonight. Say yes to his forgiveness. He's not gonna force it on you. You have to receive it.